welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature audio from our Expo 2020 panel series. In this episode, we hear from business owners, including our very own Jason Paris, about what it takes to be successful when hiring and growing your office staff. Um, so I'm Chris Shank, I'm the education guy at PCA, and uh, pretty excited about this panel discussion. So we have one guy that we're missing, but we have Jason Paris of Paris Painting in Minnesota. And Minneapolis, yep. not Minneapolis, but Minneapolis. Yep. And so pretty neat things happening at his company. Very, I would say like a, aggressive, explosive growth. Um, is that fair to characterize I'm it? An as aggressive, a... explosive person. <laughs> he says he's an aggressive, explosive person. That's not really true. Um, but a lot of cool things. Um, and then Nick May of Walls by Design, of IMAY Media, yes. of Business Brush, uh, the group and the podcast and what? Chase Lounge. Chase the Chase Lounge. So a lot of things going on. Um, and Crank, you host Crank, a conference, education conference events. It's, it's there's there's a few education conferences throughout the year that are really 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 good, and uh, so we always talk well about them. Crank is one, and now Paint by Numbers is a conference that you, your company puts on. Just had a great uh, conference that I went to not too long ago, so that was pretty cool. Um, so we're going to be asking them some questions, and since it's kind of a small group, we're just going to have you raise your hand. I could queue up the questions on the app, but I think for this group, we just um, can manage it by having you raise your hands and ask questions. But I want to start off a round of questions for these guys. And so first off... Can we do a game show style? Be like... Yes, yeah, fight for the mic. You'll win. Fight for the mic. And then I do have a prize for something in the future. I haven't decided yet, but you guys won't get the prize. They will. All right, so why don't we go with, first of all, each of you taking just a couple minutes to tell us about your business, years in business, uh, location, services, size, the general stuff that they'll kind of understand a little bit better, the, the framework for your answers. What's that? An overview. An overview. Yeah. Fine, an overview. That's the way you want it. What? Yeah, a piece of paper. Yeah, a piece of paper, yes. So Nick May, you want to start? I would love to start. My name is Nick May. I own a company called Walls by Design in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we're about 21 years old as of May 1st. Writing notes? Yes. Okay. Um, we have, I don't know, uh, what's our number at right now? About 14 painters. I have a uh, trim carpenter, tile installer uh, in the field. I have a project manager. I have a logistics manager. I have two gals in the office that are awesome and I have two estimators besides myself. So that kind of gives you a, a sense of the company. We specialize in residential interiors. Uh, we probably paint more kitchen cabinets than, than, uh, than most people, I'll just say that. We do about 20 to 25 kitchens a month. Um, and um, super busy. Good, okay, Jason? What, what are you writing down there? That's like gibber, literal Very gibberish. Very nervous. Um, my name's Jason. I, uh, I've been painting for a long time, uh, full-time for the past six years in my business. Um, 
We, uh, we did $5 million top line last year. We uh, have a president, the VP of sales. He has five sales reps, the VP of ops. He has three project managers. Um, we, have a, we just hired a CFO, so we're really excited about that hire. And then I run the office team, so I am the best admin of all time. <laughs> okay. These guys are hardcore. No, seriously, you're going to get some good stuff. I know it feels informal, and it's, again, the end of the day, so we're having some fun. And we're friends. And that's kind of, we do develop a lot of friendships around here, I think. Um, that, I think that's something really neat about PCA. There's like a brotherhood, sisterhood thing happening. So you develop really good uh, relationships with people. So we're going to have a little bit of fun, but it is hardcore what you guys do. And you show numbers and you show systems. And it is very aggressive. It's extremely intelligent. I don't even say intellectual, except the problem with the intellectual word, it sounds like it's 30,000 foot all the time, but you guys get really into actual numbers and process and showing people how to do it. So I want you guys to really challenge them with some of your questions, but I'm going to get them started, okay? Um, so what do your offices currently look like? Uh, um, let's do size, positions, general structure. I think you, you said, maybe you answered enough to get people started. Do you feel like you did? Is there anything else? Because I kind of asked you about your companies, but let's talk about your offices since we're answering questions. Okay, let's do, let's do office talk. Yeah. So um, we have a pretty fantastic office. I love my office. I used to not love my office. Um, a year and a half ago, about, we, um, we got kicked out pretty much out of like the typical office. And I had this shop. It was it's a garage. Basically, it was a garage. It's like 25 by, I don't know, 60 feet. Yeah, it feels about right. It feels it's about 2,500 square feet. I know that. Um, but anyways, just a big rectangle. And we went looking at other offices, and uh, really in particular, like co-working space. Um, co-working in Denver is very kind of the trend right now with, with businesses. And so we went looking at this, you know, these cool places with uh, beer on tap and you know, very industrial. And I just thought, we could build that instead of having to go rent. So that's what we did. We built out basically a co-working space. It's open concept. We put in a conference room. Um, I have a podcast studio there because I podcast, and uh, uh, it's, it's turned into a really fantastic office for us. It's our vibe with a pool table in the middle, um, uh, beer on tap, wine, typically. And, like literal beer on tap, yeah. Yeah, shock <laughs> top awesome. right now, but it's almost, that, it's almost out, and they're going to get something different. It's a fun environment because you hosted Crank there, I think, in darts, yeah. It's really fun. It's, it's a cool environment. It's, it looks fun to work at, and the people there seem really happy and engaged. Okay. And I would, one more thing. Yep. I would just say we've really tried to, like my office staff works really hard. Like they're under stress a lot of times, but they constantly tell me they love working there um, because we've just kind of created this environment that's, uh, you know, I don't micromanage them. I don't micromanage anybody, really. And we always say, that's the reason why we have alcohol in the, in the office is, uh, you know, some days we have a hard customer that we're talking to, and it's one of those days I'm like, you, you're, you're having one of those days? Go have a beer. Go have, go have a gin and tonic. Like, whatever you need to do to get back on those phones, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'll give kind of a history of the office layout. So it started out just in my attic, like uh, a lot of people. And then uh, we moved into a glorified storage shed. Uh, so it was like a 20 by 30, and there was no windows and a garage door. And I convinced the Comcast guy to give me internet. So I had my little office in there. And then about four years ago, we moved into... Your office in the storage unit? Yeah. 
It was, it was like a, it was a square like that was coded as storage. It was like partitioned off in an office, and uh, yeah, there's no windows. It was it was bad, but I enjoyed it. Um, and then about four years ago, we moved into like a real office, uh, office warehouse combo. So it, it's 750 square feet of office, 750 square feet of warehouse, and it's all open concept in the office. There's one little partitioned uh, kind of office room, and that's where we've been the past four years, and we probably outgrew it uh, two years ago. Um, and we are finally closing on our own building after two years of searching, and so uh, we're going to be moving into our own building, and it'll be 9,000 square feet, um, and it's really cool, like Nick, Nick was talking about, uh, kind of having that cool factor. Um, it's previously owned by a construction company, so it has glass walls, and um, we're really excited. Cool, okay. Let me add something. Yep, go ahead. Because um, as you're talking, it's like, it's cool that we have these offices, but as you were saying, your history, like, we haven't yeah. always had the cool office. I started in my basement. And I always tell people, like, don't get that expense until you absolutely have to. Um, you don't have to have an office. You know, you can work out of your house. I was, we had uh, people come into my basement. Like, that's where the office was. And the funny thing is, um, if you come see us tomorrow in my booth at the trade show, you'll meet Tyler. And Tyler currently lives in Connecticut, but when he first came to work mm -hmm. for me, he moved from Connecticut to Denver to come work for me. And... He literally was driving there, he was talking to one of the other gals in the office, and she's like, yeah, we're, we, we work out of his basement? And he was just like, what have I done? <laughs> you know? So, but we, we did the storage units and tried to cobble everything as much as we possibly could to try to keep that overhead as low as possible for as long as possible. And then w once, you, you know, once you have all these different things, you know, outdoor storage, indoor storage, and they're on like three different parts of town, and then you finally get one place that everything can like house in one place, and it's actually cheaper than all those other little things. Mm -hmm. That's you know that's the kind of the progression we we went through. Nice, nice. Okay, <clears throat> so let's go to what has been the process you've gone through to develop your office structure and personnel the way it is. Um, I think a lot of things just come out of pain and trying stuff. Pain and try. And the next question is about setbacks too. And the, so, talk to me about some of the process because okay. you guys also start. You're tar talking about where you started from, yep. and I love the starting from nothing story. And it's kind of the underdog story. And you guys are pretty successful, and you're leading other contractors in growth. So let's talk about some of the setbacks and some of the pain you've yeah. experienced. I think so. Structure. Where does it come out of? Um, so structure always for me. I think for most people it comes out of the owner-operator model, right? Where you do everything at all times, and uh, because of that, you're operating out of intuition and recall, uh, because you're the owner-operator and you have all the intuition, and you have all the recall. It's very rare that an owner-operator will go through the startup phase and begin with process and reference, which is where you need to transition to to kind of offboard that skill. So it starts out of that chaos and. Um, so we've, we've definitely failed uh, in lots of areas, and this would be another area that I failed, is we hired our first office helper part-time last spring, and she was a college student, and uh, yeah, so we were, uh, we had completed $3 million top line as just me as the office person, <laughs> and uh, wow. I'm very high functioning uh, with my keyboards and things, and I have a lot of <laughs> monitors. And, we, uh, did a key, we did a keyboard podcast recently, yeah. and literally it was all about the weird keyboard, and it's... Effective keyboards. It's very, not that like, weird. I don't know if he's AI or not. It's really advanced. It's wild. Not that. Wild. Go ahead. 
Um, so anyway, so we just hired a gal, and it was kind of trial by fire, and um, like you get burned through fire, and that's what we did, is we burned her out. And so then we hired an emergency hire in June last summer of just like a human, and she's been a very poor hire, uh, but tough and tenacious. And so now uh, I'm going through a real process, methodical process of hiring office staff, and as part of that process, um, I had this bad hire, <laughs> not reapply. <laughs> Why? What a history? Setback. This is the setback theme. You're, yeah, you're setback. starting really well. Oh yeah, a history of bad, bad things. It's, you're doing good. Um, you're doing good. It sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds bad. <laughs> Trust me. There's light at the end of the tunnel. So, okay. So the point I'm trying to make is we made a lot of mistakes, and we've learned from our mistakes, and. Um, now it's a much more robust process. Um, simple things like appropriate screening and personality assessments and on-the-job training and modules as opposed to trial by fire. Um, that's where the structure has been born out of. It's really been born out of pain and making mistakes. Um, and the mistakes become very obvious and clear once you start to enact your new template onto the old, uh, old actions. Mm, okay. What was the question again? Um, talk about the, the process you went through to develop your office structure the way it is and some of your setbacks. Okay. So I'm a big systems process guy. Uh, always have been. Um, I just can't follow it personally. <laughs> From this morning on the, the overhead that Danny had, I was yeah, like, right. yeah, I'm the visionary. Don't make me do it. <laughs> um, so a long time ago, I remember we, we just, I just kept making like, you like spreadsheets. I like like forms and process to, to follow and check off. and. And we had so many of those at one point. I'm like, can we make a form for all of the forms so I can track all of the forms and what they do? And they like look, looked at me and like that. Yeah, and I was sounds, like, no, seriously. I get it, but yeah. it sounds terrible. Anyways, um, so I, I like all that stuff. I, I think there, and I, it's kind of my happy place. Um, we, uh, where, they, where it's come in the office, though, uh, as it is today, my very first hire for office was my mom. I was going to the Dominican Republic with my family for spring break a couple years ago, and I thought, oh crap, I, I can't not answer my phones for a week. Like, I'm not gonna have internet, I'm not gonna have, any, I'm not gonna have cell phone, like, I just knew it. So I called my mom, who was looking for a job and had been in offices her whole entire life. The only problem was she lived in Chicago. And I said, mom, can I send you a cell phone? and you just answer my phones and set some appointments for me while I'm gone. She's like, great, I would love to do that. Well, I came back and I was like, this is awesome. Because um, I was like, you're, like, I was doing everything and I hate doing everything. And so I said, can you just keep doing this? This is great. And so she said, yeah. So that's how it all kind of started. And it was tough, like that was really hard. A, I, I tell people do not hire family um, because at some point you're not gonna wanna work with that person anymore which was my case for a few years, and it was really horrible. Um, because we started needing more help in the office, and so I was then, I had hired people from my basement, and, uh, <laughs> and then they had this weird dynamic, because they were, they technically were working for my mom, but they were like there, and my mom wasn't there, and it was just, it was horrible. So lots of pain, you wanna talk about lots of pain. Yeah. Um, and then, my dad got sick. And so it was blessing and a curse all at the same time. He, um, so my mom had to take care of my dad. Mm. And like literally, like 
we, I looked up one day, I'm like, my mom hasn't been to work in like two weeks and I was still paying her. And I'm like, mom, I, I, I gotta go hire somebody. I can't continue to pay you. Mm. And so like overnight, I, she was gone. We were already overworked in the office to begin with. So I had one other person. And so um, we had already hired somebody else, but she had to get trained. And at that point, my other one decided, I, this is too much for me and I quit. So then I had like this brand new person and that person is still with me today. And hmm. so we've really, it gave us kind of the reset um, that Who's we Who's the brand to new do. person, you say? Heather. Heather, okay. Yeah, so Heather's been with me now for a couple years, and she's awesome. I didn't know if she was going to work out at the beginning because we had some personality conflict, and, but she's really great. And um, Well, talk to me about the successes. So tell me how you find or recognize the great people when you have them, that they're good for specifically this whole issue of hiring and growing your office staff. How do, you know to, how do you know to look for that person? What are you looking for? How do you know when you found that person? So it's, um, it's tough. It really is tough. Like I, have, I don't do personality profiles. I just know who I feel like I can work with. And so kind of my process when I'm hiring office staff is we'll hire them for a day. And we'll say, come into the office and work with us. And we kind of get to know them. And then we say, well, that one, okay, let's try a week next week. Like, you just work with us next week and we'll see how that goes. And so that's been one way that I have been able to vet people out. Um, the other gal in my office right now, she was an intern for us on the media side. And so she was um, writing blogs and doing that kind of stuff. She, was, um, she just graduated. And um, we actually had just had the conversation. She's like, I'm trying to get a full-time real job and I can't get a job. And um, one of her problems is that she didn't drive. She, didn't have, she still doesn't have her license. And, um, and I was like, well, you should go ch ch get your license. That'll open up some doors for you. And like literally the next day, we were looking for an office person. Mm, and so wow. we then, and then I was like, well, what do you guys think? Would she be good? And so everybody in the office already knew her. She was coming in, th she was great. And so it was still that we'd kind of had that trial period. Right. Okay, so, that's, not, that's a neat idea. All right, so how to find or know when you find a good office person. Um, I'll just kind of talk through the process that we do. Um, so I just hired three people for the office, and it starts with applicants. And so we just used Indeed. And so we had 150 applicants, and from there, um, you can have them do some kind of an assessment as well as visual scanning of their resume to see if it's interesting. And so there's somewhat of a filter, but then also a judgment call made at that stage. So By the way, with Indeed, you could do the actual audio interview. I mean, like you could have them answer yeah. questions on Indeed and listen to them all. Have you, did you, did you do we, that? We did not choose that. We chose, okay. uh, I chose the problem solving assessment. Oh, okay. And I was one that I chose because I just wanted to see their competency level. Yeah. I, trucked, I took it and I was expert, so that was good. But it was actually hard for me to do. And so you actually have to think. Huh. And uh, so that was the one I chose was problem solving. And then, so for 150 applicants, it goes down to 20 phone interviews. And I did them in two stacks of 10. And then the phone interviews are a set of 12 questions um, with six categories with two questions each that are ranked one through five on the response. And they're not ranked at the time of the, um, the call. It's recorded. And then it's given to another person to uh, rank them on one to five. So an example might be you want someone to be a good problem solver. And so you ask them, explain to me how you uh, approach problem solving. And then you rank one through five on their familiarity with the problem solving model, right? Whatever it may be. Someone who's unfamiliar with problem solving might give a response. 
of I love problems, problems are great, and I look at every problem as a solution. Like, okay, that's a good attitude, uh, but I'm actually asking you a question about problem solving mm. familiarity, and you, could, you would rank that answer probably a one. Um, <laughs> so from there, 2400 reviews, um, you stack rank them uh, based off of the score, of the six competencies, so you have two questions, so there's some diversity to it, and then you do, I liked, we did a disk profile, um, and so then, Disk profiling for an admin, it's not too complex. You basically want an S and a C. Uh, you don't have to get too crazy much higher than that, but you want, you just need to be aware if you have a super low D and a super high S, then uh, they, it might be challenging for them if you're in a startup, which I would still somewhat class, I would actually classify us as a high growth. Um, so specifically for admins and probably most of our companies, we're looking for someone that prefers uh, steadiness but has the skill trait of flexibility as what we've kind of pinpointed as that kind of ideal candidate of I'm an admin, I like to follow the routine, I prefer it, but I have the skill of flexibility knowing that it's a growing and dynamic company. Um, so we stack rank the 12 uh, disks, disk profiles. Where do you do the um, disk profile at? What do you do it through? Um, we threw it, it's like a, an acronym, TTIS, TTSI. Mm -hmm. uh, we use a, an advisor uh, for that service. Okay, okay. Yep. Um, from the 12, then we eliminated um, uh, four of them, and so then you do, uh, eight in-person interviews. And the way that we do in-person interviews is there's two people uh, taking notes, and then you both summarize your notes at the end of the interview so that there's two sets of eyes and two um, opinions on that candidate to review. And then, this is probably surprising to you, but it goes into a Google spreadsheet on a matrix uh, of a rating one through five on all the different qualifications. So our specific one that we did, we wanted to make three hires. We wanted one to be uh, Hispanic speaking, so that was its own category. And we wanted one person to be young, and we wanted, and then the third candidate could be any. It could be a combination of one of the two or, or none. Uh, and then we had familiarity with the trades, uh, direct, direct experience relating to the roles of the position, um, culture fit, um, their pay, how, how well did they align with the pay scale that was laid out to them, and I'm forgetting the last one. But then you would add them up, and you'd rank, oh, this person's a 26, this one's a 22. You kind of objectively, and then uh, because there's two, two people interviewing on Google Spreadsheets, you could comment on that specific cell. You'd say, I rated this person a four because of this, and you'd explain why you did it, and the other person would rebut and say, I think they're actually a five because of this. And then uh, I make the decisions because it's a dictatorship, not a democracy, but we appreciate <laughs> the input. And so then you could objectively stack rank who the top people are. Um, you then would then kind of strategically set up the decision calls, knowing that you're gonna hire three people, you kind of have them all stack ranked at the top because not everyone's going to say yes. Uh, it's a very competitive labor market, so people get picked up uh, with much better offers as we, as we found on our top two candidates. But you have them stacked ranked and you're not stuck at the end of the week with no candidates because you put all of your eggs in kind of the top candidate's basket. But that's the process that we went through to kind of identify uh, who we feel like is good. Mr. Matt. Yeah, so, so, so one of the people on that matrix was our current admin hire. Uh, she scored the lowest of all the matrix. Uh, actually, no, second lowest. Emma scored the lowest. She was, I don't know what happened there. She was a 16, <laughs> if I need to say more, right? Um, so so it, was, it was a decision tree of, um, yeah, do we go back to the well and continue to make hires, or do we feel like uh, this changeover of three people is, is worth it? and we felt like it was still a competent team. Um, the top two hires were gonna be a stretch for our budget. We actually have to adjust the budget. Um, 
So we probably couldn't have hired both of them and hired a third. So I would have been happy with just two rock stars as opposed to a team of three uh, competent um, oil workers. Um, but yeah, I think that's a decision tree of if everyone's scoring low, uh, if everyone's score, if, if you don't have three replacement candidates to go above your current stock in my situation, then you're not gonna make a, you want high numbers, not low numbers, and so you wouldn't make that trade. I'd say that's probably all I'd hire, is be people that can do good things. Um, I think going after rock stars are really hard. Um, they're really expensive, and they usually come with attitudes. I've interviewed them. I, can, I mean, some are actually coming to mind right now of when I did their interview, and I was like, I, I couldn't work, for you, work with you. Um, but I, um, like I said, when Heather was new, um, we didn't know if she was gonna you know, really make it. And um, there was a, a time when I had people coming to me saying, you know, she's, she's just not capable of doing this. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I think, I, think it's gonna, I think it's gonna work out. So I would say for me, be, be uh, and look for those, you know, look for the people that other people have overlooked, you know, and um, I think when you give somebody a shot the, and, and invest in them, like I almost, and then I almost lost her again. Um, last year, I, I wanna say, um, our pay was pretty low. Okay, so kind of coming back to what you were talking about, um, like I don't have big dollars to, to spend towards office because it's overhead, right? And so kind of keep that as, as, as low as we possibly can. And um, she's like, Nick, I'm, I, I have to give my notice and um, I'm gonna move back home because it's cheaper, you know, Denver's expensive and all the stuff. And at first I was just like, oh crap, now I gotta go through this again. And we, so then we went through the hiring process, hired, hired some guy, offered him the job. He came, he comes back to me and says, well, I need this amount because I got another offer. And I was like, wait a minute, if I'm gonna be potentially giving you that money, why wouldn't I much rather just give it to her and keep her? And so then I offered her what he asked me for, and it was an, I had no idea if, she was, if that was enough for her. And she was just like, she cried. Like she was so excited that she could stay in Denver and continue working for me. Mm. And so it's, you know, it's that relationship. Mm. Pretty cool. I'll touch on Matt's question really quick, and I'll jump on that, and then mm -hmm. maybe you can facilitate. Who, who answers, because I, I can't handle the pressure of that. <laughs> um, so the answer is, what do you think about hiring B-level people when you don't have the budget to hire A's? And that was kind of the extent, kind of a little bit of what I was facing, uh, because I, um, so I, have a, I work for uh, my president, so I have a president that runs the company that we've hired. He ultimately reports to the shareholders, so it's a fun dynamic there. Uh, but he set the budget, and he said, you have uh, X dollars to work with, and I said, is that pre or post burden? He said, what do you think? That's post burden, go hire your people. And I said, yes sir, Mr. Kaloff. And uh, so that is, the, that is the hard part, right? And uh, I, think, I think hiring A players uh, is, a pro is, is inappropriate for most, it's tough, it's tough. B players are the appropriate people for most roles in your company. The A level players are more on a succession plan. 
So I could see you're really reaching to grasp an A-level player for an entry-level admin if you thought that was going to be your successor in two years. Hmm. And uh, that'd be my um, kind of thought on that. Also because of the challenge of if you have an A player, uh, they may in a sense let you, let, allow you to weaken your, your discipline and process and recall. Uh, sorry, and reference and start dealing more with intuition and recall, and now you're kind of at an exposure if that person were to uh, leave. So B players are very, very healthy for entry-level roles. A players are great to groom from entry-level to executive team. You know, we can get creative when we have low budgets. So if you can't afford to give that top pay, like what else can you give them? You can give them a flexible work schedule. And so for a lot of the positions we've had in the office over the years, um, instead of hiring one full-time person and trying to find that A player, I may go find um, somebody who's a part-time person, you know, who you know, maybe is returning into the workforce um, and just has the middle of the day, you know, five, six hours, because she's got um, kids in the morning and kids in the afternoon. And so that's been a good way to hire some folks. I have people that work for me right now that are in that situation. Um, and you don't have to necessarily pay them top dollar. Um, they like the flexibility, and um, so that's one other way to kind of get around budget. Did you get a chance to talk about your successes? Do you feel like you talked enough on what you're, okay. So <clears throat> just in case there are some people out here that are thinking about hiring office staff and you're, you're about to that point, um, can you guys talk about how you can recognize that you're ready for it? When do you know you're ready for it? Because you kind of went a long time, maybe longer than what some people would before you hired. Um, what, what are some signposts along the way? How do you know when you're there? Um, what could be some catalysts for like that change? Um, so I'd say in my case, it's kind of like any business owner, you probably stick in what you get the highest return for your input the longest. And so, um, as some of you may tell, I'm not the best salesperson, so I got all that quick. <laughs> and uh, so that was the first thing I got out of, versus most, many entrepreneurial people, they may be very good at sales, and that may be the last thing they get out of, because as they build a system around them and they can specialize in that role, they get more and more return out of their time in that specific role. Same thing with the entrepreneurs who are more production-focused. They may hire a salesperson, they may hire an admin person, but they end up focusing. So that was just my scenario where um, I was really, really good at admin, and I could meet the needs of the business by specializing more and more till that's all I was doing until I reached a point where I couldn't scale to the needs of the business through pure specialization alone. Uh, and that's when you have to start to build out a team. And who do you start with? What, what, what position do you go for? You think you go with whatever's weakest. Oh, and the, so in the office? Yeah. In the office, um, you kind of need an apprentice, I think, to start. I think that's the way that you kind of cut your teeth against building out a process and building out the reference uh, model. Um, man, there's so many roles in the office that end up getting, getting filled, um, but you can have one person filling many, many roles for quite a bit. I mean, even we are, I think, a fairly sizable company, and it's not that complex of an office structure. Mm -hmm. okay. um, I'm gonna agree with you. You kind of go with what you're good at and what you're not good at. For me, I'm completely opposite of Jason, and so I was the, I was the sales guy. Um, sales and marketing, and so um, I'm not good with details, and so I need that other person to be the details, um, and I would say most painting contractors are not good with the details, so when I'm talking to a young contractor and they're asking me this question of who should I hire, when should I hire, mm -hmm. um, I would say 
like maybe your second or third hire, second or third total in the company should be a part-time admin person because that person is gonna free you up to do what you need to do more and as you start to build systems and processes, that person can help you do that because you're not most likely that great at it. They're gonna be able to give your customers um, better attention on the phone. And I think of phones as a marketing channel. It is, it is the very first um, experience that they ever have with your company kind of personally. Mm -hmm. And if that's a bad experience, then they're never gonna do business with you. Yeah. And so if you have somebody on the phones, um, even if it's just part-time to begin with, um, you'll start to close more business. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, what was the other question that you went into? Uh, kind of signposts along the way when you know you're ready. I think you answered that, and then first position you'd hire, some of the first, mm -hmm. so I think you answered that. Um, I, okay, I was gonna say, what Ray question Scott. do we have? Yeah. Who, who had? Ray who? Ronnie. Ray, hold on. This is, you know what this is? This is the Ask a Painter shirt, or the Nick Slavic beard shirt. So you just won a shirt, brother, and this is a yellow-on-yellow yellow design. Look at this. I don't know if you saw. This is our, our partnership with Ask a Painter. They broadcast on Fridays, and we ask the PCA contractor question of the week. So here you go. We'll see if I can make it to you. <clears throat> oh! All right, ask your question. Thank you. Exactly okay, um, I heard pre-qualification pre towards the end. I want to have you speak into my neck. Do we have a script? Is that what he's saying? I apologize. Here you go. We have a call script, yeah. That all right, so first of all, do you have a job description for different yes, roles within the office? Yes, we do, and I had her actually uh, write it. And then hot, hot details. Hot details are these job descriptions, and then let's say for a uh, person who answers the phone, do you have like script for this is how we're going to answer the phone yes. or you know, things like that? You and said you had her. Up, who comes up with those? Uh, you said you had her write it? Yes, I had her write her job description. <laughs> okay, because talk about that. It would, it would, you know, because we have everything yeah, written down in policies and processes and so do I had to have it. He wants to know who, do you have a, you want to know if they have a copy of it? You guys, you guys willing to share an outline of the job description? Um, of that one? Uh, yeah, we can, I can, I can share. I don't have it with me, but yes, I could share. Okay, um, we'll get some contact information out. The, um, Go ahead. And then back to what Ray was asking about with uh, call scripts, we have, a, we, have a, we have a form. It's the only paper form that we still have. Everything else is digital. Um, but we, have, we made pads of paper up that are on the desk um, so that two gals that answer phones go through every question um, and those are they, it's not been changed quite in quite a while but it's everything that we we need to have her talk about and um, literally sometimes I'm, I'm listening to her and it sounds like it's like recorded like she says it the exact same way every single time and she goes through you know 
depending if it's cabinets or, or just regular interior painting, but, but goes over it, very detailed so we don't miss anything. I mean, it's very important to, not only for us to communicate to the homeowner exactly what they can expect so we can set those, ex those proper expectations, but also so that she can get the right information down so that we put it into our, our, our system. We have Estimate Rocket, and so we put all of that information so that we're setting up our next um, interaction with her up for success. She did. She had already been working for me for at least two years by the time she wrote it. It was kind of, yeah, I just, I wanted something in writing to know, you know, It wasn't a new hire. It wasn't, it no. Was, you had built the job description. Right. right. It was after. after years of experience of having somebody in that position. Yeah. Give it. I would just, yeah, I would say if you're going to hire, you need a job description. Uh, you need to make it clear to them what the responsibilities are and what their key performance indicators are. Um, I think especially hiring many people, they just want to know, how will I know if I'm doing a good job? What will I be measured against? How will I know if I'm winning? Those are important things to have. And then your second question was really around, are there training modules? I'd say yes, if you don't uh, have training modules, don't hire somebody. And then I would caveat with say, that by saying, uh, nothing makes uh, you be productive like procrastination and urgency. So don't let them onboard until you have the training modules. Oftentimes by hiring them, uh, that will force your hand to say, oh my goodness, I need to make these training modules. I'm gonna do it right now. And then I'll get like one, one thing that works really well for us is Screencastify is a uh, Chrome plugin that I use a lot. And so Screencastify uh, just records your screen. And it's just a frictionless way to make videos and edit them and put them into uh, YouTube, which then we put into uh, a, a kind of a browser called Atlassian, which is like a wiki-based thing, where then the new admin can come in and look and say, you know, kind of in a wiki format, what do you do in this situation? Oh, here's the description and also a video of Jason talking, but I can barely hear him because the keyboards are really loud. And, uh, and he doesn't use his mouse, he just presses a button and then all the hyperlinks turn into numbers and he presses a button. So it's confusing for him. Uh, okay, we've got a question over here. Nick, you had mentioned that you just recently hired a logistics manager, correct? No, I've had a, a logistics manager for a very long time. And what exactly do they do and how do they work with the other pieces in your office? How okay. do they overlap? So Bob, we'll just call him Bob because that's his name. Uh, Bob does not technically work in the office as much as he is, um, he drives trailers around. So unlike most painting companies that buy vans and put guys in vans and send them all over the city, we don't do that. We have, um, we have trailers. And so all of our teams work out of an individual trailer. He moves those trailers around um, and, and delivers paint and makes sure that the, the trailers are stocked with the, the sundries that, they, that that team needs. Um, and so, but he does come into the office. He, so he, he does a little bit of the office stuff. In fact, it's just important for everybody to be on the same page. And so he joins us for, for I think one of our two production meetings a week. So he knows what's going on and he can give input. And when we have staff meetings and all of our painters come in, so we do that once a month, he comes to those as well because we're all a team and we all interact at some point. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's, you know, th that was one of the positions I, I literally hated. Like a 
about, you know, in back in the, the early days when I was the guy doing like everything, answering the phones and moving trailers and like that was the one job I was like, I freaking hate this. And it was really hard, like how was I gonna get somebody else that could do this? Because not a lot of people know how to drive trailers. Like that's not a, a, a common thing. Um, Bob's great, he, um, he was an ex-mechanic, um, owned a, his own business. Um, he's like 65 years old. Um, every time, he's not the first person I've had in this position. I've had three or four different logistics managers. He's been there the longest, and he does a great job. And it's really great to have an ex-mechanic around. So. So this is the guy that the shop guy is organizing the shop. Yes. Yes. No, that would be our project manager. We have a PM as well. So Bob just moves paint and equipment around. So what we want is our painters to drive straight to job sites and have everything that they need. So it's his job to make sure that everything is there. And so we have checklists and, you know, he's in, in ways to, for him to understand. So he has to take the trash out, you know, when he goes to move the trailer. Because most of our trailers go from job site to job site to job site. Every once in a while they come back to the office. So. control systems with these trailers and so forth for, for job costing and how many would Bob support? How many trailers? Um, we have, uh, I should know that number. I wanna say we have 13 or 14 trailers. Um, so with job costing, what I do is a little bit big picture with our sundries. And so every job that gets purchased and delivered to a job site, that is paint. And so that gets a name and so we account for the paint um, on every job site. Then what we do is anytime we have to go purchase sundries, um, that is put under sundries. Um, and I look at it on a monthly, quarterly, yearly basis, and I just make sure that my percentage is in line, and then for job costing, I, I, we just use that number. Yeah, I, I just keep it, I keep, if that was, were to tick up, then I kind of dive in. We've never had a problem. Um, we have very tight controls of who can purchase at the, at the paint store. That was a problem for me a long time ago, and we went down to like me and one guy that could, that could purchase. And so now it's really just Bob, myself, um, and our project manager. Um, but we don't see, you know, we, we don't have rolls of tape, you know, leaving and, and them stealing stuff. Like it's, it would it, if it became, if it came, if it became a problem, I would see it in the numbers. So. You got anything, Jason, on that? You got anything? I did not anything? Have, I did not have trailers. Okay. What else, guys? Um, I was going to ask about virtual assistants. Uh, how often do you use them? Do you think it's a good idea? And then we could ask him if anybody else uses them. What your thoughts are? Virtual assistant. Okay, I thought you said personal assistant. Virtu virtual. virtual. Yeah, so we have... Uh, virtual. Yeah, so okay. Hassan in India does stuff overnight for us, kind of the uh, non-intuitive admin work that's not super critical, time-sensitive, like it can be done within 12 hours kind of stuff. And um, we have, until this year, had a call center that's in our local market, I think is important. So they know how to pronounce... Uh, the towns and the states, and they understand the weather, and they can spin. They have that, the Minnesotan accent. Uh, so we've had, we've always had a, until we'll be changing that this year as we get our own uh, kind of real building. We've had a call center, and then uh, overnight um, admin support. We have backup phone support, so we have 24 hour, uh, 24 hour, seven days a week phone answer. 
Um, so if my office staff is not there, it rolls over to a, um, a call center. And um, I've never been as super excited about the call centers that I've used in the past. Um, you know, they're way slower to answer the phone. Um, I want it done on the, you know, within the first three rings. Um, and that's about the only virtual assistant. I mean, other than my mom who used to be in Chicago, and I would joke that my, that my mom was my virtual assistant, um, <laughs> which there was a lot of problems that we had, and I already kind of touched on that. Um, when you have people working remote. Um, now Tyler, who wor works for me remote, has been a great fit, and so it, it just works differently for us. Um, he doesn't have to interact on the day-to-day, -day, doesn't have to interact with our team, so um, I would never do another office person out of the office. You did, Okay, so you said you would never again do another office person or bring in an office person that works outside the office or remotely. Based upon, I mean, is that a decision you made after you started working remotely? Even though you're keeping him, there's difficulties associated. I mean, like an admin person. An admin person. Okay. Yeah. So creative is different. You know, we can give him a task. Like, like we, we could probably work with people doing social media stuff from a, for us remotely. But because of we have so many moving pieces um, in our office, mm -hmm. with talking to sales, production, um, me, like the team, like there's just too much interaction on the daily basis that happens that if it's, you know, if we're not getting along, then it's just, it makes everything else harder. So I just personally wouldn't do that. Um, I think call centers can be good um, if you're either, you know, if you, if you find that good fit. But there are very few and far between that do a good job with answering phones because they have huge swings in, in, in staffing and, and being able to answer those phones and it's all comes down to a dollar thing, so. Okay. I have another question about goals and where you guys are headed and plans you're making for the next phase of growth, but what do you guys have before I jump into that? Because we're running into the last 15 or 20 minutes. I know we got started a little late. Questions? Yeah. I am a very good joke teller, and uh, so I tell them lots of jokes. And uh, um, so we, I would say, don't really offer benefits to them. We have what's called a, like a medical sharing plan uh, that we offer, and if that doesn't work for them, then we'll contribute $200 a month per, for an individual or 500 for a family to uh, kind of a third party or an outside plan that works best for them and their family. Let's do that in the medical. Um, I, we will definitely have a smoothie machine in the new office because I, I had my story. I had my wisdom teeth taken out, and so I ate smoothies for a week, and then I ate smoothies for the next five weeks, and then I ate a pizza in the airport when I came here. Uh, so, <laughs> so we actually have health benefits for everybody in our company. Um, it's a, a certain percentage. It works out to about 60% of the cost for health benefits. Um, and then they can play pool. They could play darts. They could have a margarita. Like, you know, so it's just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we, um, uh, we're dog friendly in the office. So on any given day, we have a dog or two um, in the office, which can get chaotic, especially when people have puppies. Um, yes. Is one of them dogs your dog? Yes, and she pooped in the middle of a meeting once. It was really <laughs> Ouch. Okay, other questions before I get 
to the next one. Yes. Uh, my question's about job handoff. So when a job is sold, there are certain things that then have to happen as far as um, creating a color sheet and a materials list, like a sundries materials list and uh, paint order list with quantities and stuff. Is that handled more in a periodic meeting? Like once a week you have a production meeting and you go over the upcoming jobs? Or is there a kind of a continuing like electronic way you guys do that? You just... Uh, I'd, I'd like to know about that. Like if you have a salesperson whose only job is to sell them and then a production manager whose only job is to produce them and then an admin in there who's been the point of contact for this customer, how do, how do the three work together? So it's an ongoing thing. Um, we, um, let me see if I can do this quickly. Um, so the office staff would, would take the, uh, the customer calls in and says, we want to move forward. She's going uh, to review that contract with the customer um, give them their actual final number, you know, because there's options, right? So we're not going to do this line, we're, we're going to do that one, blah, blah, blah. So she goes through all of that, um, sends out the paperwork, um, sends them a, an invoice on that exact number, and reiterates, okay, your start week is such and such. Um, and so that goes all into, recorded in Estimate Rocket. Um, she is going to then create uh, an appointment for the homeowner and our interior designer. We have an interior designer on staff that goes out and does a color consult with our customer. Um, so they're just going to go review colors. There's no decision on that day. Um, and then the next appointment that we have is with our project manager. It's a project review meeting. At that point, it's mandatory that the homeowner... Um, selects the color and signs off on it. We have a bunch of checklists that they go through and he fills that out, emails that back to the office. Homeowner gets a copy of, I think one of them is pertaining to them so they can see what they've signed. Um, everything else is just checklist for us. And so that all gets saved in Estimate Rocket. Um, the week before the job is going to start, um, the homeowner or the, our office staff will call that customer on Friday and say, your job is going to start on Tuesday. Um, she already knows when we can start it because it's one of our questions in the project review and so she says they're going to be there at 8 o'clock on Tuesday she then forwards all the paperwork to the team that will be painting the house and also to the project manager um, so everyone has the paperwork they go out and do the project um, we have some forms on our website that is password protected so you guys can't go see it um, but they, the team uses some of those things so we have daily reports that get filled out that go back to the project manager in the office, and so all that gets saved in, in Estimate Rocket. Um, upon completion, the homeowner will walk the house with our painter. They have an online form that they get signed off on. That goes back to the office. All gets saved back in Estimate Rocket. I've probably missed a few things, but that's generally how we manage all of that. So the, I think of my office staff as kind of the quarterback. Like they're constantly back and forth, but they're the point of you know, for everybody. Homeowner, project manager, information for the painters. Did I get everything? J Jason, you got something on that? Uh, it's probably similar. Um, I would say, so your question was, what do job handoffs look like and preparing the work order and the material order? And so the salespeople sell the job, they'll then email the client or text or call, whatever their preference is, and CC the office staff and say, this is, you know, thanks for booking the job with us. This is the office. They'll be coordinating the job to get make sure it's ready. Then the office's job is to make sure the job gets ready for the project managers. And so the office can prepare the work order, and they can prepare the material order.
but it is approved by the project managers because project managers have field intuition, which office staff does not. And so the office staff can get it 80% there, which is oftentimes quite a bit of administrative work, but that last 20% is based off of the intuition of the field, field workers. And then prior to the job starting, sometimes two days before, sometimes a week, sometimes one day, depending on the type of job and the seasonality that we're in, it's email to the client, CC the project manager, thank you for helping us getting your job prepared, this is your project manager, he'll be there being in touch with you on the first day when the job's kicked off. High level, that's how we work it. Very nice. Okay, we got just a couple minutes left. I want to ask you, if you could give me brief answers on this, what's next for you? How are you growing your office staff in the future, the near future? What's your plans? Um, I'm complicated because I have two companies that work in the same office, and so there's a lot of overlap. Um, so all marketing activities go through IMEI Media, um, and we have plans of adding, where in fact we're we're trying to add two or three people on that side of things right now. Um, as far as an office, like strictly office staff on Walls by Design, I don't think we, we didn't budget for that this year, um, so I don't think we have any plans for that. Um, what was the other question? That was it, what's your future plans, if you okay. had any? Yeah, probably next year we'll get to a point where we need to add one more person. Um, but it kind of is dependent on a few things on the IMA media side. And I'd say probably somewhat, again, some similarities with Nick. We have a shared office resource. Uh, it's technically a management company that has management contracts with Paris Painting, and then another company owned Haven Builders, and another company owned Paperboard, Mark Paperboard Marketing. And so it's a shared office concept. Um, we're hiring three people. I think that will be good for a full year 2020. Uh, what's next for the office team? So you first build the team, perfect the process, find a successor. And so those are steps we're going through, probably a one to three year, year process. We can talk what is next for the office team. My goal with the advancement of project management systems electronically and mobile and all that kind of stuff would be to reduce my office staff just due to the accessibility of electronic information as opposed to physically having to file this and all that other stuff. What do you, where do you all see that um, tool playing into your office staff? Yeah, we've, we've already been able to do that pretty significantly. Um, we, one of the things that we implemented a little over a year ago, I believe, was an online scheduling system um, so that customers could go to our website, book an estimate um, with one of our two estimators based on location because we have four different calendars that that manages. Um, so, because I can't, you know, she can't be booking one up in way north and then one way, one way to south in 20 minutes. So that was a, that was a huge um, time saver. Uh, we were on the verge of having to hire somebody else about a year ago um, to have three people in the office. And um, so that kind of curtailed that. So we've, we gave a lot of time back. Um, I think with the systems that we use like Estimate Rocket, um, we've been able to do a lot more with just two people. Um, versus what we used to do like five years ago when I had my mom and literally we had three people in the office at one point and it was it was crazy how, mu how much overhead I was spending um, but utilizing the technology really does save yeah I'd second that um, I think it's a pretty easy calculation right now the way tech is advancing to say a return on investment investing in tech versus investing in humans. 
Um, I'll always person personally steer towards investing in software or tech than investing in, in administrative uh, human actions. Um, and I think you, you saw that even, like I'm pretty, pretty tech adoption, I'm willing to put that in, and we had one person right up to a certain point, and um, now we have three people, but it's a pretty significant, if you add the companies together, it's about a $9 million budget cut for 2020 on three people of an office staff, but that's because there's significant investment into the tech side of things. And I think that's a, a worthy trade-off and a, and a good judgment call to make. Okay, uh, that's all we have. Um, so if you guys wanna catch Jason and Nick before they leave, just stop them from <laughs> exiting this room. But tonight, uh, you can check your app to see the schedule. We have the Benjamin Moore reception, and then everything starts again tomorrow, and then the trade show, and all kinds of good stuff, okay? Chris, so thanks can for I add one thing? Yep. Um, I think a lot, a lot of people come to me and they ask me, like, what does your office staff do, right? And we've kind of gone over a lot of it, but I think there's a lot more that we should be doing that we're not doing because we don't have an office staff person. So the customer experience that we're providing for our homeowners, like we talk about, oh, we're a great company, um, and I'm talking in general in the universe, right? Um, we, we all talk that it's a great, you know, come work for, or come buy from us. Like, we want to be your painter. But you've got to actually have a great value proposition. And if you have great office staff, that you're going to be head and shoulders above. Um, we have so many Google reviews that actually name our office staff like they were a part of the great experience. And so if you invest in that, it will, it will bring back huge dividends. It is an investment. Um, especially when you when you don't have that on the payroll and you're like, oh, now I'm gonna spend, what, 2,000, 4,000? You know, it's crazy. But you, you're playing the long game. And so there are a lot of things, like we do multiple, I don't know how many touch points we have in our system, but we, we confirm every appointment with a customer. So all those appointments I talked to you about, like we're calling or texting the homeowner that prior day before that to confirm that those appointments are still good and making sure that they're all on the same page. So we do a lot of touch points with our customers um, so that it is an easy and great experience. Okay, and also, Jason, and by the way, I'm, t I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm 10 minutes early. So we got a few minutes, but Jason answered, and then I wanna do something for the last 10 minutes. Go ahead, Jason, didn't you have something? I was gonna do a last minute plug. If you wanna see the office <laughs> staff and what this looks like in practice, uh, Nick opens up his shop several times a year for an event called Crank, and uh, I will open up my shop once a year in December for an event called Paint by Numbers. Yeah, and you guys, you really do open up your business. It truly is like an x-ray of your business, and it's pretty impressive. It's a deep, and it's a, just a deep dive into systems and processes for, mm -hmm. for us. Um, both of these guys have been speakers and, and, mm -hmm. and have been involved with, with what we're doing in Denver, and our next one is March 12th. It's coming up. I only have a couple spots left. Just and you saying. guys advertise those things, and we'll get the word out. Okay, so for the last 10 minutes, uh, let's do this. So if you heard a question asked out here, and you have a unique answer or some way to contribute, uh, I would love to pass the mic around just to have you have a shot, because these guys are being featured because they're doing really good in their business, and they're kind of uh, influencers in the industry, leaders. Um, but what... What did you hear that you kind of have a partial, at least, answer for that you can help with? Does that make sense? Because I think a lot of you are dealing with these problems, these issues. What's some of the solutions you've come up with? We're kind of pulling the crowd for answers and not just questions. Okay, here you go. I apologize. I came in kind of late to this meeting, so maybe it was covered already, but um, 
it seems like some of the questions that are being asked are kind of the starting of building an office staff. And I've been on kind of a mission over the last probably four years of building out. And we, I went from having maybe one um, person that answered the phones that didn't hold a paintbrush to we're about to hire our 10th. And we've built a very wide base for what we're trying to build. And I'm not saying you have to build that wide, but one of the things that I learned is you probably a good chance you're not going to get your home run on the first hire. You got to stick with it and you got to decide what's reasonable for you for the growth that you want. And like you guys are talking, I think one of the things I heard up there was having you know, people have to wear a lot of hats. So I think the more versatile person that you can hire that is willing to wear a lot of hats and grow with you. And we've had some people that have come and gone and they've really served our company well for while they were there. But as the company changed, we, we had different needs. And fortunately, we've been able to do that amicably and have some good relationships formed from that. But I think I would say there's just a ton of value in building out your team based upon how big of a business you want to grow. But it, it kind of takes guts. And a lot of people won't spend the money to do it. But if you're willing to spend the money and be just make that decision that you're going to stick with it, not until it's hard or not until somebody you know, hoses you and, and doesn't know what they say that they know, but until you're successful, then you'll have success with it. Uh, we got Matt Palmashano over here and Katie, Katie Hedges. I, yeah. Um, we almost pulled you into this panel discussion, I think. But this is our education committee chair. And so I wonder if you have anything to contribute. From everything you heard out here, what would you have to say? Because he has a lot of good information. He sits back, but we're going to pull him out here. Do you have any thoughts about it? <laughs> I was going to put on the spot here a little bit. Um, I would just echo what you said about the, the fear. Uh, and I, I'll just share a quick story. We, we had some exponential growth, I would say, over the last yeah. couple of years. And uh, we, we really felt we needed somebody in HR. And um, the first person we wanted to hire uh, was awesome. And they were uh, three times our budget, I'd say, maybe four. I mean, several hundred, they were, they were very qualified. <laughs> uh, and so we, we settled on someone that we thought could do the job. And she, when you looked at her resume, she was very experienced and she'd been at a big company for a long time and had all, kind of hit all the wickets for HR. Um, and then she came in and, I, and this happened twice actually, kind of the same experience twice with a different position as well. And what we found is that she was very good at managing uh, what she was told to do because someone else had up the process in a different, you know, in a different, probably in a different state, but she just had a book and she followed the book and it was, but she was not suited for a dynamic company where you have to come and you have to build it. And so as you look at people, if you're looking to hire staff, I think that's a really important question to ask yourself is, am I, am I looking for someone to build something or someone to manage something or, or just do it? And so, exactly, that's just to, from to this morning, yeah. So that was a huge, painful thing for us as we eventually had to let her go, so both of them. Okay, thank you very much. Anybody else that you have a, like a creative solution for problem group? Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, Nick and Meg, Jason Parrish, you guys catch them. Don't let them leave. If you want to ask them a question, they will answer any question you have. Thank you for attending, and we'll see you uh, hopefully tonight at the reception. Thank you. Paint podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.